Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Seppi. I am joined by Parker Gabriel. Parker is the Huskers beat writer for the Lincoln Journal Star and also the nephew of one of my close friends and journalism mentors. Parker, thanks for the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be, I'm glad to be here. And I know your listeners have probably got the chance to get to know you a little bit, but welcome, welcome to the Big Ten West. And uh, it's, there's never a dull moment. <laughs> yes, thank you. The very wild Big Ten West this year. And the really wild quarterback situation right now in Lincoln with Adrian Martinez being out, that leaves Nebraska with some pretty inexperienced options there at quarterback. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, you know, Nebraska fans and, and certainly Iowa fans have, have seen a lot of Adrian Martinez, although I think he missed uh, one game earlier in his career. He was out at the end of the year, but um, the, yeah, he, he's played through a lot this year already. He suffered a fractured jaw against Michigan State back in September, uh, high ankle sprain in mid-October uh, before they played Minnesota, played through both of those, but suffered what sounds like a major injury to his right shoulder on Saturday up in Madison uh, against Wisconsin. He's out for the year. Like everybody, he's got more eligibility, or most people, um, because of COVID and all of that. So he could decide to return, but yeah, it's sort of as the, as the quarterback turns here in Lincoln, because he'll have to make a decision about, you know, what to do going forward. And then Nebraska is going to turn the keys over to a freshman named Logan Smothers um, and maybe a second freshman named Heinrich Harburg. Um, so it'll be new faces all around uh, under center for Nebraska on Friday. And then did I see that Smothers has only thrown three passes in Big Ten play? Yeah, that sounds right. That would have been – and that was in the fourth quarter of a 56-7 to win against Northwestern. So uh, – and also, so he played – and then the other possibilities, he played one drive against Michigan State. So Adrian Martinez on Nebraska's first drive at Michigan State on September 25th um, took a helmet to the – right on the chin strap um, – it was not called a penalty somehow, but um, he. I'm sure your actually, readers very much agreed with that officiating decision. It's really hard. Like, I, there's a lot. There's a lot of targeting calls that anybody can disagree with, but it is really hard to get hit and break your jaw and not have it be targeted. But uh, nonetheless, Adrian went to the locker room to get X-rays on his jaw after he was, you know, laid out on the field for a few minutes. And Logan Smothers got one drive, and he actually took Nebraska right down the field against Michigan State's defense. Um, they had back-to-back offensive line penalties stalled out. Martinez came back in the game after that, not knowing at that moment that he'd actually fractured his jaw. Uh, and so the short story is Smothers has got a little bit of game experience. He's played in five games. Um, he played three plays on uh, Saturday against Wisconsin after Adrian Martinez suffered the shoulder injury. Martinez gutted it out and played the second half. Again, I wow. didn't know how serious it was, but did tell the coaching staff in the second half that he was feeling clicking in his shoulder whenever he threw the ball, which not typically what you want, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Smothers has played a little bit. But he's obviously green. Obviously, Iowa's defense is opportunistic. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, far open – Scott Frost and their interim, 
quarterbacks coach Steve Cooper are willing to sort of turn the turn the dial offensively. And it's interesting, the other option, Heinrich, has the same private quarterbacks coach as Iowa's Alex Padilla. So yeah, Tim Jenkins out in out in Colorado, right? Yeah. yeah. So a small yeah. world out there. Yeah, it is. And and Harburg is interesting. He's a he's from Kearney, Nebraska. So he's an in-state guy. He's the first in-state quarterback Nebraska signed in decades. Um, he's a big, he's he's really big, you know, Smothers is a little bit wiry. He's maybe six one and, and one eighty. Uh, Harburg, I saw him walking around at the state championship games here in Lincoln yesterday. He's a big kid. He's six five and two twenty. Um, oh, wow. And he can really he's he can really run. I'm interested to see if they have a package for him. Um, Frost said they could both play. I don't know that you'll see him like rotating drives or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if they have a wrinkle with Harburg at some point along the way. And then I think the other big headline that maybe Iowa fans glance past this year has been the shakeup on the staff. How is that working when you don't have a full offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and I think a couple others? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an interesting time for sure to lose your starting quarterback uh, when you've got <laughs> mostly an, an interim staff. Frost, it was on the bye week app. They played Ohio State on November 6th and then the Monday after that, so two weeks ago, basically. He fired four of his five offensive staffers. Um, the offensive coordinator, Matt Lubick, had been here for 2020 and then this year. The other three guys had been with Frost not only since he got here from Central Florida, but in the, for the two seasons in Orlando, too. So they'd been together for almost six years. Um, they just, you know, they scored um, – 52 against uh, Fordham earlier in the year, and they scored 56 against Northwestern. Uh, and that was it pretty much. They hadn't, they hadn't cracked 30 in any of their other games. And so it just, it got a little bit stale, I think. And Frost decided that he needed to make changes. Part of that was because he was probably, you know, needed to make sure he kept his own job too. Um, and so, yeah, it's a major, it's a major shakeup the way college staffs are structured now, there's a ton of analysts and, and, and GAs and quality control coaches and all that. So they've actually got none of the position groups ended up with somebody coaching them who they didn't already know. Like there's a senior analyst that worked with the wide receivers. There's a senior analyst that worked with the offensive line. There's a quality control coach who's in the quarterback's meeting room every day. So these guys, there was sort of natural like interim candidate, like interim coaches for each position. But certainly, you know, it's a quality control coach now who's in Frost's year up in the box, who's essentially like the de facto offensive coordinator at this point. So they're really in uh, it's it's interim mode big time uh, here in Lincoln. And now now even more so, obviously, with, with Adrian being out. And then what should Iowa fans expect to see from Nebraska's running game? Because I think that's an area where there's been some injuries, right? Yeah, there has been. So Ramir Johnson, who's who sort of became the top running back over the course half of the first half of the season and really had played pretty well uh, is hurt and probably won't play. Frost said more likely than not, um, he will not be back. He didn't play on Saturday against Wisconsin. They actually got nice uh, contributions from some guys who hadn't been involved in a few weeks. Um, Marquis step was no relation to me. Yeah, right. Yes. That's (laughs) step, not steppy. Um, Yes. The Marquis Step is a USC transfer. This is his first year at Nebraska. Uh, he had a 100-yard rushing game earlier in the season. 
and his, his usage fell off uh, almost entirely. Um, so he, he'll probably start. And then Marvin Scott's a guy who played some for them last year as a true freshman had been sort of the odd man out in the rotation this year. So you'll see those two guys and then a walk on slot receiver named Brody belt um, is also was in the running back rotation last week against Wisconsin. And they did a nice job. I mean, they didn't run for a ton of yards. Wisconsin uh, as Iowa fans know is, is pretty stout up front, but they grinded out 90 or something like that. So that'll be, they'll roll with that and, and see how much, how much they can get done on the ground. And then, um, you know, the rest will be left to inexperienced quarterbacks. I think maybe Iowa fans might be a little too familiar with how stout Wisconsin is up front. I think it was like 30 rushes for 24 yards in Madison. So yeah, hard to win many games like that. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. And they're tough. You know, I mean, they, uh, Nebraska, Nebraska put 452 yards on, on them and, and scored four times, but also, you know, Martinez threw two interceptions and they gave up a kick return touchdown and that that was too much to overcome. And then speaking of special teams, Iowa kind of gets treated with special teams play, getting to see Caleb Shudek, probably one of the better kickers in the Big Ten, Tory Taylor, the punting is winning t-shirts, the NIL deal that he has. Yep. Um, you see those all around Iowa City and then the return game, a hundred yard kick return last week against Illinois. Where does Nebraska kind of stack up in terms of the special teams department? I'm well, seeing a smile two... there. I'm guessing that doesn't mean spectacularly. Nebraska stacks up poorly with everybody in terms of special teams. <laughs> and that is, that's uh, not hyperbole. Um, there's a couple of, there's a couple of metrics you can look at special teams wise. Um, like ESPN's SP plus uh, and football outsiders has a efficiency index, special teams efficiency index. And as of uh, this morning, Nebraska was ranked 127th out of 130 <laughs> division one schools by both of those. So, uh, and you know, John, if you go by the eye tests, it's just as bad. So um, that's a, not one of those a, where, well, the stats are bad, but hey, look at this. Yeah, but there's good things when you look at it. Um, that's not the case. In fact, um, Nebraska, the one thing you could say about Nebraska was that for the most part, the coverage units um, had played much better than they had last year. They, they gave up a part return touchdown against Michigan State that tied the game with three minutes left. And it was, you know, it's hard to pin it on one person, but really like the punter the ball was supposed to go to the right sideline. The ball was outside the left hash and there was nobody over there essentially to tackle the return man. So it's hard to put that on the coverage unit when you fail to execute to that extreme, but you know, they'd been good. The one, the one place where you could say they'd been pretty good this year was up their kickoff team um, had done a nice job that they the last two years, they couldn't even they couldn't get a touchback hardly to save their lives, and that had changed pretty dramatically this year. And then, you know, Wisconsin ran the opening kickback for a touchdown um, on Saturday, and they had four, three or four guys that had a chance to tackle and 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 didn't. So, you know, that that's uh, it's just been a sore spot. They, they've they've gone through uh, two, they tried three place kickers this year. Um, they're rolling with a walk-on from Iowa Western Community College right now. Um, the punting's been so-so. 
Will Pristup has sort of settled that down as the year's gone on, and he's he's got a big leg, but it, he's prone to a miss hit every now and again, and 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 wet his miss hits are like real miss hits. He's got a seven yarder and a thirteen yarder and a nineteen yarder so far this year. So you're either a getting seven 55, yarder. yeah, you're either getting fifty five or like twelve. So <laughs> um, it's been it's just been really inconsistent. And it's cost Nebraska heavily. Um, they've outscored their Big Ten opponents so far this year, um, and they're one and seven in the league. <laughs> and they do not have a full-time special teams coach, correct? Correct. Yeah, they they, they have Mike Dawson is their outside linebackers coach, and he's he took over as the special teams coordinator um, this spring. So they tried to go with an analyst. Um, they tried to have a senior special teams analyst uh, last year, and they ended up with some of the worst special teams in the country and an NCAA investigation into improper analyst use. So <laughs> that's about as bad as you could end up with. Yeah. So now Frost has four staff openings. And one of the questions is, you know, will they will they hire a full time special teams coordinator uh, or will they sort of keep their current setup, which I. Ross says that most of their issues are it's specialists and not the structure of how the special teams are being coached. And I think there's some evidence for that, um, but they need a full overhaul in terms of specialists if that's if they're going to get that much better um, between this year and next year. And then defensively, it seems like Nebraska's had quite a few injuries there. Yeah, they, yeah, they played. They've played well for the most part this year. It's been a stout group, but attrition is sort of starting to catch up with them, and they're certainly not unique in that regard. In November in the Big Ten, but yeah, um, they'll be without JoJo Doman, who is one of their best players overall. Um, he has a hand injury. He had surgery. Um, Any time the surgery to be back fully healthy to play in the Senior Bowl, um, you know, he's a potential day two draft pick. And then after that, they've had a senior safety, Deontay Williams, who's been out with a knee injury since mid-October. Um, and then they lost an outside linebacker, Caleb Tanner, to a scary-looking injury. He's okay, but just on Saturday against Wisconsin. Got other guys, obviously, that are beat up. They're uh, probably their best defensive lineman, Damian Daniels, is a nose tackle. That'd be a great – I mean, Tyler Linderbaum and Damian Daniels is a great matchup. Um, but Daniels was – he only played 11 snaps against Wisconsin. So oh, we'll wow. see – We'll see if he's healthier um, this week. Um, perhaps a limited workload will help him be in position to play a little bit more this week. We'll see. But, um, yeah, that's a great matchup. Hopefully hopefully we get to see it. And then Deontay Williams, it looked like there was a chance that he's going to play against Wisconsin and didn't make the trip. Have you heard yet on what his status is for Friday? No. Uh, he, yeah, he practiced a little bit last week. He, he had a – you know, it was a, yeah, I think he had a knee injury uh, about a month ago. And the, the, the thinking was that he could get back um, to, to play in a game or two down the stretch. And part of that is he's a six-year senior and, and he's 24. Um, and so I think four weeks ago, the idea was that if they got hot and they were, you know, going to maybe make a run at getting to a bowl game or whatever, um, that'd be a nice lift to get him back and then more work through the month of December and all that. Now that all of that's out of the equation and you're talking about one game and then 
getting ready. I mean, the kid can really run. He's going to test really well um, athletically. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's a tough call to make. He's been here. For, he's a junior, a rare junior college transfer who now has played four years at Nebraska with uh, COVID. So um, he's given a lot to the program. If he doesn't play, if he's not fully ready and he doesn't play and he wants to focus on getting ready to try to get drafted, I mean, I think that's probably understandable. Um, but they could use him. They could use him. He can he can run. He can cover. Um, he's he could hit. So um, if he's if he wants to go, uh, they'll gladly have him for, for one more game. You have to be like running out of classes at that point when you hit year six. Like, think can you take underwater basket weaving? Yeah, he's probably got the. Uh, they've got one of the guys that'll be honored on Senior Day on Friday. Ben Stilley's got his master's degree in hand. He's like <laughs> halfway to a PhD or something because he's been in college since. 2009 or something like that oh geez no, that's no, a really no, long time yeah, six six years six full years and you know so he's he's had uh he's got two degrees in hand and working on a third i think wow well he'll be set up well for post football success yeah then. exactly exactly and then got a score prediction yet uh it's not how about not much um <laughs> i i think you know, I, I, the, when the line opened before uh, the Adrian news broke, Nebraska was favored by four. As crazy as that is, I wasn't surprised by that. But what I was saying on, you know, yesterday before before the news was, I'm not surprised Nebraska's favored, and I'll be surprised if they win. Um, <laughs> it's just sort of they've just found ways to lose games. Um, I'll take Iowa 24 to 20. Okay. I've got, I think I put in our game day section. I hope this is the same one that I said earlier. I think People will I, understand if it's not. <laughs> I think I have Iowa 27-17, but it wouldn't yeah. shock me if it's lower scoring than that, considering how bad Iowa's offense has looked at times. And people thought that Alex Padillo is going to become this magical force to fix all offensive right. problems. So it's gone. Alex Padilla's at quarterback, but then people saw against Illinois. Okay. That's not really the case. He completed like 35% of his passes and then Nebraska offensively, obviously it'll be a interesting 60 minutes of football on Friday. Yeah, it definitely will be. I think if, you know, if you were talking about these teams at full health, um, I would be more liable to believe that, Nebraska's defense would have some answers for that run game. I mean, the, the, oh, yeah. the first couple of years that that Frost was here, Iowa ran all over Nebraska. And, and it's been it's been tougher sledding, um, certainly last year. I think the last two. Um, so I would be I'd be more likely to entertain that idea. But, you know, Nebraska's defense is pretty beat up. And, and I, I was thinking low scoring last week going to, you know, up to Madison. <laughs> and it turned into sort of like a shootout for Big Ten West standards. 35-28, uh, both offenses scored four times, um, you know. So I just – I think there could be a little more scoring than if you would have asked me about this game four weeks ago. Um, but I think Iowa's got a lot to play for. Nebraska's got – they're trying to end a losing streak against Iowa, and that's about it. So I'll take the Hawkeyes. It's funny during that Wisconsin Nebraska game that was going on as everyone was waiting for Kirk Ferentz for post game. And we were kind of wondering, 
is he just waiting to figure out who's gonna who's gonna win yeah. this game right yeah yeah so yeah had well, it streaming Rask on was, my computer but yeah. Kurt Rask came in the before the game ended so it was after that Wisconsin that. touchdown though so yep. who knows what that means <laughs> well yeah you, you had confidence that Nebraska wouldn't go down the field and score they almost did but there's been a lot of almost in Lincoln this fall <laughs> and almost still doesn't count there's no almost win stat category that gets almost you eligibility almost for four seasons gets assistant coaches fired apparently so mid-season um, too yeah yep so it's gonna be a busy off season around here that's for sure <laughs> well parker thanks for the time today you bet I'm happy to be here and i will see you friday in lincoln yeah yeah it'll be it'll be great i hope you enjoy uh, thanksgiving nights here in Oh, I certainly will. Switching gears here a little bit on the Hawk Off the Press podcast, a reminder that you can get text updates from me and my class by going to joinsubtext.com slash Hawkeyes. Again, that's joinsubtext.com slash Hawkeyes. And a lot of the people who have already signed up for that had some great questions for this week's podcast. So I'll get right to those. Randy asks about the injury outlook for Friday. So the most notable one is probably Matt Hinkins. He is out. Kurt Ferentz usually has a little bit of a never say never sometimes to him, but that seemed pretty definitive. Matt Hankins is a no. Now, he said other players, he used this real complex medical terminology here. He said the others are iffy. So the players who are iffy include Jack Kerner, who was in uniform for Saturday's game. He ran out for senior day, looked like he was in pretty good shape. Then game time couldn't play. Mason Richmond, who's been now out for a couple of weeks on the offensive line. And of course, Terry Roberts, who's been dealing with a pesky bone bruise. He's been out for quite a while, but he's a possible player who would make a big difference there. So that's the latest with those injuries. Um, next question from Bonnie. Bonnie was asking about the conservative play calling now versus in the first five to six weeks from Brian Ferentz. And I find this kind of a fascinating question here because depending on each game, you could say, oh, wow, that was a really conservatively called game. Or you could say, oh, that's kind of an aggressive game. Um, kind of some, it's Sometimes you could get maybe two people from watching the same game with two different conclusions from there. So my takeaway is early on, um, so to first answer the first five to six weeks, I think early on they were pretty conservative, where when I first started on the beat, it was the common kind of complaint that I heard was, well, are they going to throw the ball more than 15 yards? And it was a very fair point because they weren't throwing it any deeper. Now we're seeing, well, so we first had that. Then we saw some deep passes, Spencer Petras hitting 
Keegan Johnson a handful of times for those big plays. And okay, Iowa was six and zero, and then with that Purdue and those Wisconsin games, the play calling looked a little more stale. And you saw kind of the frustrations brewing again about how Brian Ferentz is calling the games. Now, I think since Northwestern, as much as maybe it's felt after that 6-0 start, like things maybe were a little more conservative, I think since that Northwestern game, we're starting to see a little more of aggressive play calling again from Brian Ferentz. When you look back at some of those plays in the last two weeks, you're seeing Brian Ferentz adapting the game plan to having Alex Padilla and Alex Padilla's different skill set. And I think that's a really interesting thing there because there are things that you can do with Alex Padilla that you can't do with Spencer Petras. So I think we're starting to see some aggressive plays. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some play calls that are very conservative and conservative to kind of an annoying level where I remember everyone was booing after that one third and long where they ran the ball. But I was starting to break out for more longer runs. So I think it's a difficult thing in terms of, okay, what's conservative, what's aggressive. Um, you could ask three different people from one game that same question and kind of get some different views on that. And also those first five and six games, when you're six and oh, you kind of forget maybe how conservative maybe some of those play calls were. Then Bonnie also asked if I think Padilla is going to start. And Kirk Ferentz has been a little coy about that the last couple of weeks. Now he did say that if the game was, he said on Tuesday, as I'm recording this, that if the game was tomorrow, Wednesday, Padilla would be the starter. He hasn't made a bold proclamation. Hey, Alex Padilla, permanent starter. It's him. Sorry, Spencer Petras. But I would really be surprised if Spencer Petras is out there. Really, all the signs, as much as Kirk wants to be coy for strategic purposes for game planning, and making Nebraska's game plan more difficult. As much as he wants to do that, his actions do speak volumes, where the fact that Alex Padilla is the number one on the depth chart for a third or fourth, no, it's third consecutive week on the Monday depth chart, and the second consecutive week where Spencer Petrus was healthy and Alex Padilla was still the number one. Now you could say, well, last week, maybe when Kirk filled it out, I think he usually fills it out on Sunday. Maybe he didn't put Spencer on because he didn't think he was going to be healthy. Well, this week, Spencer's healthy. He's number two, even after Padilla completed 35% of his passes. Alex Padilla is the starting quarterback. I'd be shocked if we saw anything different. Uh, now, never say never, but yeah, I think it's Padilla's, it's Padilla's show now. Then Mark asks about um, what to do about avoiding a slow start. And I was kind of thinking back to the Illinois game with this. And really a lot of that slow start and what 
felt like a eternity for Iowa to kind of get the momentum going was because the defense that usually has been a strength of Iowa just did not do a good job on that first drive where Illinois quarterback, Brandon Peters had almost as many yards in one drive as he had in the whole previous game. So like the defense just didn't show up there like how they usually do. And after talking to Seth Benson, I thought he had some interesting insights during availability. Um, He pointed to some mental errors on defense. And I think what I, from what I saw, I really see how, okay, they weren't playing up to their usual standards. So I think a lot of it's kind of a mental situation there. Then another next question is from Matt. He asks about um, who's going to have the bigger game, Sam Laporta or Nebraska's tight ends? Because both teams like to target their tight ends a lot. And kind of predicting which receivers they have a big game is not exactly an exact science. Um, it's not quite as difficult as predicting lottery winners, but um, it's not you could have a lot of different possibilities. Maybe it's Keegan Johnson's day. Maybe it's Laporta's day. Maybe it's Ravini's day. But when I look at this, I look at, okay, who are the two quarterbacks that are me throwing to these tight ends? Both tight ends are truly NFL caliber tight ends. Now I think Alex Padilla has a better chance of connecting with his tight end than Logan Smothers will. When we've heard, earlier in this podcast from Parker about how Logan Smothers is not a very experienced option. So I tend to say Laporta, but I could be wrong. I've certainly been wrong before. Would not be the first time. And then Julia mentions how she enjoyed Mike's column about the odds makers showing Iowa as an underdog. That was on Sunday online, Monday in print and asks for an update on the odds. And it has changed um, with Adrian Martinez out. I was no longer an underdog. Now, I think Mike used the circus um, odds for his column. I just doing a quick search on the ESPN app. They use Caesars. They're usually similar enough. Um, but Caesars right now has Iowa as a one and a half point favorite. Now, I'm not a betting person, but if I was, I would probably take Iowa on that. I think that Iowa has a pretty good chance of winning by a lot more than a point and a half, considering that Nebraska has a quarterback out there who's thrown three Big Ten passes in his career. So, yeah, I, I, well, first of all, yes, the odds changed. And two, if you wanted my prediction, I say, yeah, I'd take Iowa with those odds. And that wraps up all the questions. Again, you can, if you want to jump in here and have some questions for next week's podcast, you can sign up for these text updates at joinsubtext.com slash Hawkeyes. And then it's simple. Just plug in your phone number. They'll send you a text. It's easy. I tried it myself. Won't take you more than a minute. Um, and also want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I am very thankful for all of you 
for tuning in um, to the podcast, reading the newsletter, reading the articles, subscribing to the Gazette. I wouldn't be able to do this without our subscribers. So thank you. I hope you have some excellent turkey and other foods. And I will be back with Mike for an edition of After the Final Score from Lincoln, Nebraska for what should be a beautiful day in the 60s. So not that that really affects the podcast, but me and Mike will be back for an edition of After the Final Score on Friday. And until then, we will talk Hawks later.